continue in Ephesians chapter 4, there is, as we've said before, a lot of, there's a broad mosaic in the, in the kingdom. And uh, Paul is kind of putting the spotlight on that in Ephesians 4 of differences that don't have to divide. They can bring people together and make the church stronger. Economic, cultural, linguistic, uh, you name it. Every church has some degree of diversity in it. And the church of God in first century Ephesus was certainly no different. In fact, probably had more diversity than you would think a church could even sustain. Um, remember what we saw a few weeks back uh, as we began the Ties That Bind series? We saw that this one church in Ephesus was made up of both Jews and Gentiles. They all worshiped Jesus, okay? They all considered Jesus the Messiah. Um, they were all Christians in that respect. But the Jews did not turn their back on their Jewish cultural identity and history in the Old Testament and all of that. And the Gentiles were in there as well, new converts to the Christian faith. Um, and so it made for a very interesting dynamic. Um, some people, pessimists, might say a very explosive dy dynamic. I think Paul is saying it can be and should be a very powerful dynamic uh, through the Holy Spirit. Because uh, these Gentile Christians, they didn't know anything about Jewish tradition. They didn't know anything about what we would consider the Old Testament. The Jews just considered to be the Bible, right? Because they didn't have New Testament uh, back then. It was being written in letters like the letter to the Ephesians. Um, and so it was, it was difficult with these two groups, the Jewish Christians and the Gentile Christians. The Gentiles didn't care uh, that much about the Jewish history and, and all of that. And you think the two groups had trouble getting along? I mean, yeah. That's why you got this letter written about it, uh, about all of the issues, and Paul's helping them sort through these issues. Of course, they had trouble working through it. And frankly, I think, and I told you this, I think they looked at each other and thought, God, why did you do this? Why don't we have two congregations in Ephesus? One for the people that think like this and have this background. One for the people that think like us and have our background. It would be so much easier. It would. Um, but as we've already seen, the Lord put them together. That was his idea. Um, Paul says in chapter 3, it may be a mystery to us, but one thing that's not a mystery is God did it. It was his plan to put them together. And so strong and so clear are Paul's words throughout the book of Ephesians about this unity and the important, important work of holding on to it. Uh, he, for instance, and I think I've quoted this verse every week, Ephesians 4.3, make every effort. Ephesians 4.3, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. So God joined them together. Uh, their unity is a spirit thing. It's their job, and they are told not to mess that up. Make every effort to hold on to that. Now, last time we talked about this, about the, some of these ties that bind. You remember last time? It's been a couple of weeks. We talked about the big ones, and we were talking about one, one, one. Remember those, some of those things at least? One body, one spirit, one faith, one hope, 
one Lord, one baptism, and then one God. He says, these are really big things that you hold in common. Yes, you've got some differences. You've got some diversity. Uh, but there are some really big things that you have all tied onto as believers in Jesus Christ. And it's hard to imagine anything really, any list containing stronger things than that. All right? They weren't being held together by you all, your favorite color is all blue and your favorite food is Italian food. Now they're being held together by one faith, by one God, by one Lord. Um, big, big things, one baptism. So tonight, um, we're going to move from these very big things, general things, into some more specific, uh, individualistic things, U shaped things that, that can be leveraged here or back then in Ephesus to also help strengthen the ties that bind in the local church. Truth is, uh, you've probably noticed we're all different. Um, we're all individuals. And far from being the enemy of unity, Paul teaches that this diversity is actually something that the Spirit uses. It's something he wants, he desires in the body of Christ. Not only to draw us together, but to make us more effective witnesses for the gospel, more effective in taking the gospel to the lost. Well, back in 2009, that's been a while now. I got here in 2009, but that's when uh, the, the iPhone 3 was out. And Apple ran this ad campaign, which I bet you remember. The ad campaign was, there's an app for that. Do you guys remember that ad campaign? On TV, on the internet, everywhere, there's an app for that. Um, you know, all of the things that we need, uh, there are apps to meet those needs. There are travel apps. Uh, there are cooking apps. There are uh, Gas Buddy to find the lowest gas price apps, weather apps, you name it, emailing apps, dating apps, games. Uh, there's, an app, there's an almost endless list of apps available even back in 2009. I have, by the way, I made the move to Android, John Scott. Yes, so I'm Android now. And uh, I've got on my phone somewhere between 90 and 100 different apps. I'm not saying that to brag. I probably need to pare those down a little bit, but a lot of apps that do a lot of different things. The quirkiest one, I'll just share a little bit tonight. Pull back the curtain. The weirdest app I have, Jerry, is the Coin Toss app. Does anyone else have the Coin Toss app? Yes. Denise, do you use the Coin Toss app? I use the Coin Toss app. I do. Probably once a week or so. And all it is, I don't carry coins or dollars anymore. So if, if you need to flip a coin, you need the app. The, you just, there's a little quarter, and you flick it, and it pops up in the air, and half the times it lands on heads, half the time it lands on tails, and I find it to be um, pretty useful. You're thinking, how would you possibly, the family can't decide, Mexican or Chinese, coin toss app. We can have an all-out brawl in the car, and last time you chose it, let's let the app decide, you know? It's really good at decide. By the way, I don't know if you noticed this, but no one ever preaches on this. They did cast lots in the New Testament and in the Bible sometimes. I don't know how all of that worked, but there was something. I mean, it was kind of like the ancient version of the coin toss app, okay? Um, so there is an app for that with the campaign. And as of, I, I looked this up this week, as of March 2017, wow, there are, for you, if you have an iPhone, if you're an Apple person, there are 2.2 million apps available for you. 2.2 million apps. Uh, 
but, oh, you poor Apple users, if you use an Android like myself, we have over 3 million apps available to us. Yeah, so some of them, most of them, probably not all that useful, but it is interesting. So what does this have to do with Ephesians chapter 4? I think it has something to do with it. Uh, Because Paul talks about all of the sundry and assorted and ever-changing needs of the church from toddler all the way up to the senior Christians, all of these these things. Um, And for all of these circumstances that arrive, Paul's going to say there's an app for that. Essentially, if there's work to be done, no problem, there's an app for that. And that app is you, all right? Everyone who's added to the church is an app, is a tool that God has placed with your unique personality, your unique gifts, your background, your outlook to serve the church. Uh, And, of course, they aren't called apps in the New Testament. They are called spiritual gifts. Uh, And these spiritual gifts, they are doled out by the Holy Spirit of God in His infinite wisdom. And they are different gifts They are given in different measures to different brothers and sisters in the local church, but they are given always by the one Spirit that we talked about a couple of weeks ago, one Spirit. And these gifts are distributed, and when they are used, when we don't sit on them, but when we use our unique gifts to to serve in the local church, we meet an endless array of needs, we build and strengthen brothers and sisters in Christ. It's a beautiful thing. Now, all sorts of apps have been uploaded into, if you will, the Spirit's app store um, for growth, for unity, for strengthening of the church. So let's start with Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 7. He has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of the Spirit. Now, let me just pause there. I don't know how many Christians there are on the planet right now, if, if you, and how you would even define that. If you're just saying how many people would consider themselves a Christian, I think it's like 2.4 billion. That's a lot of different people who God says, I, I've poured out gifts on each person. In history, since the first century, you know, I don't know how many billion people, but a lot of different people, a lot of different gifts, and the Spirit is constantly distributing these gifts. So continuing in verse 8, that is why the Scriptures say, now it's gonna, he's going to talk about Jesus, when he ascended to the heights, he led a crowd of captives and gave gifts to his people. Just showering gifts, that's what a conquering general did after a successful military campaign. Share the spoils, distribute the gifts, verse 9. Notice that he says he ascended. This clearly means that Christ also descended. We talked about that, that this morning. Okay, That also means clearly Christ descended to our neck of the woods, or as Paul says, our lowly world. The same one who descended is the one who ascended higher than all the heavens so that he might fill the entire universe with himself. Okay, so what kinds of apps, what kinds of gifts are we talking about here? Let's go. Verse 11. Now these are the gifts. And I would, I would just point out specifically here, Paul is going to talk about categories of spiritual gifts. In other places, he'll talk about very specific spiritual gifts. These are really going to be like categories or kind of um, file cabinets. With here, here are this kind of spiritual gifts, so let's go. 
There are these spiritual gifts Christ gave the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors, and the teachers. Their responsibility is to equip, you know, like coaches on a team, training, uh, passing out the equipment, giving instructions. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work, to build up the church, the body of Christ. And this will continue. I love this part. This will continue, Paul says, until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> that is really good. Now, let me say, I mean, you, you know this, but let's just call this out. This is not an exhaustive list. In fact, nowhere in the New Testament do you get an exhaustive list of the, of the spiritual gifts that Paul says he's just constantly pouring out on the people. Um, Paul's, and we know this because at least in Romans 12, in, let's see, this is 1 Corinthians 12, and other places as well, Paul is going to provide lists of spiritual gifts. He's going to say, let me tell you about the spiritual gifts, and then he's going to bump, 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 just list off a bunch. The interesting thing, though, is like in this passage here in Ephesians 4, Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, never are the lists the same, okay? Now, uh, you might think, oh, okay, well, we'll just put all of them on the chalkboard. We'll list, so that's all of the spirit. I don't think so. I think the point is, since they're not, they're not the same in, in Ephesians 4 as they are in Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians, a whole different list as well, I think that tells us there is no limit. I mean, the Spirit is just going to give gifts as they are needed. Right? He's just going to pour them out as needed. He doesn't just have a limited toolbox. Oh, here's the wrench. Here's this. Uh, uh, I don't have a gift for that particular situation. No, he can make something. Um, he can make something. So, spiritual gifts. There are similarities among the gifts in the different lists. And there are even similarities on this list as, well, list as well. But they aren't exactly the same whenever Paul talks about the gifts of the Spirit. Now, there are talents. And there are spiritual gifts. Talents are inherited. You generally get these from your mom and dad. If, you're, if your mom and dad were Olympic track stars, you're probably really good at track and field. Um, I can't be. I don't have the DNA. If your parents were slow like my parents, you're not going to be on the track team, okay? At least past, for me, seventh grade. Eh? Uh, not past seventh grade. Um, you are born with Talents, musical talents, mathematical talents, um, physical talents, um, physical attributes, maybe your beauty or, or things like that you get from your mom and dad. That's great. Use those for God. Those are great things. Use those for God. Gifts, however, you don't inherit those from your parents. You receive them from Jesus. Um, he looks at what the church needs, uh, and he will gift people. He will provide gifts among his people according to those needs so that the church can all be built up and working quite well so long as people use their gifts, all right? Now, let's just think, so these are categories here in chapter 4. Let's just kind of think for a few moments about the categories uh, that Paul has mentioned in this text. So he talks about the apostles. So let's think about apostolic gifts. What are the apostolic gifts? 
Um, we get hung up a lot of times because there's 12 apostles, and then there was one more later, Matthias. Um, really, apostle, the Greek word just means someone who is sent, a person who is, a person who is on a designated mission. So there are gifts to help missionaries, if you will. Um, there are some abilities, there are some talents, um, there are dispositions that Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, uses to equip women, to equip men, who are going to go out, not just across the street to the other side of the neighborhood, but go across the ocean, or go across the continent, or go do street ministry in Nairobi, or build a church in Brazil, or something like that. So apostolic gifts, gifts for people who are sent, okay? Um, and then there are, he mentions evangelism, okay? Evangelion, evangelism, the sharing of good news. Um, there are people specific, specifically gifted by Jesus to lead other people to Jesus, to a saving faith, to lead people from lostness and unbelief to a saving faith. Now, <laughs> let's be very clear. This isn't to say that there are that the, the, because of the, oh, there's a group of Christians that don't need to share their faith, right? Because you got these uh, these evangelism Christians that are going to share their faith. No, we all need to share our faith. We all need to witness. But there are some who are especially gifted. Okay, there are some who the, the Spirit has just given them a certain gift to reach other people. But we're all witnesses. Uh, he talks about pastoral gifts. Pastoral gifts. Pastoral, think about a pastoral scene, a shepherd and sheep, uh, caring for the sheep, uh, healing, binding up little broken sheep legs and feeding the sheep and leading the sheep and, and calming the sheep when they've gotten scared or something like that. Um, what kind of gifts do pastoral people have? They have gifts of gentleness and understanding. They have, uh, oftentimes they have a gift of listening and often they have a gift of listening and then providing wise counsel, wise advice. Uh, they support folks who are going through all kinds of seasons of life and crises and things like that. And then he talks about, here's another one that we can get kind of hung up on and, and confused about along with apostolic, prophetic gifts, prophetic gifts. Because a lot of times when we think of, oh, prophets, um, we think about people who predict the future like God has given them a little film strip of okay this is going to happen and I'm going to tell people about what's going to happen in 10 years and 20 years and 100 years but 95% of prophecy in the Bible I mean read the prophets the minor prophets or the major prophets and you'll see that 90% of prophecy has nothing to do with foretelling future events mostly a prophet's job was to very boldly present the word of God. I mean, just drop the hammer. Uh, explain, this is how God's people are sinning right now, and this is what needs to change, and if it doesn't change, this is going to happen. That was mostly what prophets did in the Bible. Uh, then Paul talks about teaching gifts. Uh, he mentions teachers, and these are obviously people who are able to explain, instruct, uh, and train others, and they explain the meaning and the implications of God's Word, and they train people to effectively live for God. They may train spouses. They may train moms and dads. They may train people to do evangelism. They may, 
they may train and explain with a particular book of the New Testament like we're doing in Ephesians tonight. Um, like I said, there are all sorts of gifts listed out in other passages. Just know this, if you are a believer, 1 Peter 4.10, if you are a believer, you have been given a gift. To each one has been given a gift. You have one or more gifts that is given not for your own benefit, not for you to go, look at my cool gift. Did you get a gift this cool from the Spirit? No. They're given so that you can bless and serve other people. Now, the gifts, I think pretty obviously, they're not just glue. They're not just kind of a unity like, oh, this, this keeps the church from ripping apart and dividing. They are, like I said, these tools or apps, if you will, that help each disciple in unique situations reach their full potential, or as Paul says, their full maturity in Christ. Verse 13, so that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. We've all got room to grow, and the gifts are given in the body to help us. Not just our gifts, but other people's gifts are, are fueling us, are instructing us, are shaping us so that we can grow into our full potential. We won't stop growing. Now, one of my, I've told you, it's been a while, but one of my favorite authors is J.R.R. Tolkien. Lord of the Rings, The Hobbit. The Hobbit was the first book I ever read that I just loved. And I love that guy. I love J.R.R. Tolkien. And he was also a believer, by the way. But unless you're a real J.R.R. Tolkien nut, you probably have not read his short story called The Smith of Wooten Major. The Smith of Wooten Major. Neat little story is a story about God-given spiritual gifts. Um, so it goes like this. As a young boy, Smith Smithson receives a rare gift at his small village's celebration. A piece of cake that contains a silver star. As Smith wears the star on his forehead, it shines with light, and it allows him to travel to magical lands and possess special powers and privileges. But one day, as he travels home from one of his fantastic journeys, Alf, the master cook and baker of the cake, starts walking beside Smith. Unbeknownst to Smith, he, Alf, is actually the king, the lord of all of the land, and the one who chose to give Smith the silver star in the first place. As they near Smith's home, Alf, or the king, says, Do you not think, Master Smith, that it is time for you to give this thing, this magic silver star, to give this up? Smith replies, what is that to you, Master Cook? And why should I do so? Isn't it mine? It came to me, and may a man not keep the things that come to him, at least as a remembrance? The king says, some things. Those that are free gifts and are given for remembrance, but others are not so given. They cannot belong to a man forever, nor be cherished as heirlooms. They are lent. You have not thought, perhaps, that someone else might need this thing, but it is so. Time is pressing. The idea in the story, 
that there is a gift that you are given that is meant to be shared, that is not meant to be held onto. I love that, and I love that line that those gifts are lent. Um, they are gifts that the Spirit lets us have, lets us use, but they are not ours. They are borrowed. They aren't just things that we have to do with as we please. And there is no good gained by holding on to these special gifts given by the Spirit with an iron grip. Uh, they are meant to be shared, to be used as a blessing and an encouragement to others. What I want to do, we'll just close tonight with a prayer, but not my own prayer. I want to close with a, a prayer I'm going to borrow. And this one is from Richard Haverson who was a pastor for a long time and the chaplain of the U.S. Senate um, for quite some time. And he used to, as he would close out, we do our little benediction on Sunday morning, as he would close out the Sunday services at the church where he worked, um, he would say this same prayer every week for years and years. So I just, you don't have to close your eyes or bow your head. I just want you to listen to this prayer. Uh, I think it's very powerful and fits in right with what we're talking about tonight. He says, he would tell his church, Wherever you go, God is sending you. Wherever you are, God has put you there. God has a purpose in your being right where you are. Christ who indwells you by the power of His Spirit wants to do something in and through you. Believe this and go in His grace, His love his power. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. And so that my prayer tonight is, may the Lord give you and give, give, give me, may, may we have eyes, each one of us, to see how we have been individually and specially blessed and gifted to serve, to be apps in the church, to help others, to build up the Holy Church of Jesus Christ. So let's, let's close by standing together. We're going to worship. We're going to celebrate the gift giver who has taken such good care of us and such good care of his church.